With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The takers at the annual taking under the Capitol Dome in Denver are attempting to curtail your Second Amendment rights. They are attempting to curtail your wallet. They are attempting to kill off the oil and gas industry in Colorado. They are attempting to find more ways to take your freedom and to take your money because that is what they do. Um, And uh, I I thought it would be a good idea, since that's going on right now, there's a number of bills that will be making their way through the Capitol to limit your Second Amendment rights. Uh, One of them that's being considered today, I believe, uh, last I heard, is one that will uh, change the requirements for getting a concealed carry permit. The goal there is to make it more expensive, more difficult, and more time-consuming for Coloradans to practice their Second Amendment right. In addition to that, they are also going to essentially ban concealed carry in the vast majority of public places. Um, on top of that, <clears throat> they are planning to mount an all-out assault, I say with air quotes, pun intended, on the so-called air quote assault rifle. So all of this is going on. They are going deep on this one. Last year, they, they made some pretty big attempts. They made a lot of headway. I think they're encouraged by that. I think they're encouraged by the fact that there was very little pushback. Uh, other than from us loudmouth gun owners, uh, for the most part, they, they feel comfortable in becoming even more and more progressively communist and disarming the American people. So it's crazy. I thought it would be a good idea, since this is all going on, as a backdrop to that, to just remind you of some some important statistics involving guns, gun owners, law-abiding citizens. My friend John Lott is the director of the Crime Prevention Research Center, uh, crime prevention uh, or crimeresearch.org if you go to their website. He's awesome. He's written a book called More Guns, Less Crime. Um, he's actually written several books, but, you know, he's he, he worked in the Trump administration in compiling some of these statistics. I was talking about him the other day, and I referred to him as the 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 Second Amendment supporters statistical guru. Like, that's his mind has this ability to hold these numbers and these statistics and just recall them quickly and uh he's devastating in a debate about guns joining us now john lott hey sir how are you good to have you on my again my friend again again oh great to talk to you thanks for having me on i i honestly don't know how you hold all of these statistics in your head you write prolifically on a number of topics not just guns but um you you somehow have compiled probably more Important statistics involving the Second Amendment, involving the operation and use of a firearm, involving crimes using firearms than than perhaps any other living human being and maybe any other human being in history. How do you do it? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) That's nice of you to say. But, uh, you know, I just deal with numbers all the time. I don't remember names as well, but I remember numbers. Um, the reason I wanted to talk to you is you and I were having a text conversation the other night, and we were talking about 
the propensity of law-abiding gun owners to actually commit crimes. So, for instance, one of the pieces of legislation working its way through the Colorado legislature is that it would ban, like, say, going to an aquarium or a zoo or a public park or any place where there could potentially be a protest or a government meeting or uh, any public uh, government buildings or anything like that. Like, they would ban firearms from there. And so I began asking you some questions about, one, how often do law-abiding citizens who own guns commit crimes of any type? And then also, when and where do mass shootings happen? And I find it somewhat perverted that the Colorado legislature thinks that by disarming people, they will make them safer by creating more gun-free zones. And you have found that it's the exact opposite, have you not? Right. Well, I mean, there are a couple points to bring up. One is permit holders tend to be incredibly law-abiding. You see them losing their permits for any type of firearms-related violation at thousands or tens of thousands of one percentage point. Um, indeed, uh, fire concealed carry permit holders are convicted of firearms-related crimes at about one-twelfth the rate that police officers are convicted of firearms-related uh, crimes. And police are very rarely themselves convicted at about one twentieth the rate of the general population. So, you know, it's it's hard to find any other group in the population that's convicted at such incredibly low rates. These people are very law-abiding. But the second point is, you know, I understand the desire to create these gun-free zones. But take an example like the Covenant school shooting this last year um, in Tennessee. Uh, if you violate the uh, gun-free school zone that's there, you can get punished by six years in prison. Well, the murderer in that case, let's say they had lived, they died, they'd be facing uh, six life sentences or six death penalties. Compare what they would face to what you or I would face. If you or I accidentally carried a gun into a gun-free zone or carried it on purpose, and we're facing six years and up to six years in prison, our lives would be completely changed. Mm-hmm. That would be a devastating penalty that we'd be facing. Yeah. But for this person that's already going to be facing six life sentences, you think, you know, well, they can live with that, but you take another six years away from their seventh life, that would just <laughs> be too much. Right. I mean, it's just right. not serious. What you end up having is a situation where You've created a law that whatever your intent, what the actual impact's going to be, it's going to be the law-abiding good citizens are the ones who are going to be facing the real penalty. They're the ones who are going to obey the law. The criminal, it adds no really effective additional penalty on for them. And so all you've done is assure the murderer that they'll be the only one with a gun there because the law-abiding citizens would never think of carrying a gun there because the penalty is so large. Mm. And you see this time after time. I mean, uh, you know, you don't need to look at just the fact that 94% of these mass public shootings occur in places where guns are banned, or you don't need to worry about the logic per se of what I was just going through. Just look at the statements for these mass murders. And the media just refuses. Just It just drives me nuts. I have to read the diaries and manifestos for these killers. But I just don't understand why the news media, even though they claim that they're covering the, the manifestos and diaries, 
refuses to cover these explicit statements from these murderers. Take, again, the Covenant school shooter last year. The Biden administration took the diary and has yet to release it, but uh, except for a few pages have leaked uh, uh, out from there. But the Nashville police chief last year, when the attack occurred, held a press conference the very day of the attack where he said that he had read the diary and that the murderer there had actually had another primary target that they were going to go after, but had decided not to. It was a mall, the Greenfield Mall there, had decided not to do that because people were allowed to have guns at that place. And that would make it too risky to attack. So they decided to go after the school where they didn't believe anybody would be there to be able to go and stop them. You know, you take the Buffalo mass murder the year before. Uh, the person there has a long discussion in his manifesto about why he picked the target that he did. Right up there at the top, he wanted to go to a place where he didn't think his victims would be able to have guns to go and protect themselves. You know, you read the diaries manifestos, time after time you see people who want to commit suicide, but they want to get media attention. And they know the more people they kill, the more media attention that they're going to get. And they may be crazy, but they're not stupid. They know that if they go to a place where their victims are disarmed, and they're the only ones with a gun there, they're going to be able to go and kill a lot more people and get a lot more media attention. I can understand why the media just refuses, just absolutely refuses to cover the fact that these guys, their goal is to get media coverage. Right. But, you know, I want somebody to give me a benign explanation for why the media just refuses to go and cover why these guys pick the targets that they do. Right. And, well, I, you know, I, I think ahead. you and I both know I think you and I both know that the reason is because the media is all in on the agenda to get rid of the guns. And so they, they if they if they if they uncover, I'll say with air quotes, that there's something else else going on inside the minds of a mass shooter that has zero to do with guns and everything to do with how we are raising families uh, or or destroying families, how we're scrambling young kids' minds in a number of different ways. That that would show that we would actually need to do some real work on mental health in this country as opposed to just banning an inanimate object. I want to I want to go back to something you brought up at the beginning though, and we're talking with John Lott. Uh, I, the argument that you made <clears throat> that, it, it, that that might be the best argument I've heard before, John, when when you say essentially by looking at the penalty and its outcome on the on the perpetrator of any given crime, if we come to the conclusion that the penalty is harsher on those who are otherwise law abiding than on the perpetrators who would take those law abiding citizens away. We've arrived at a place where the, the bill itself, the only purpose, is the punishment of innocent people. It's the creation of criminals. And that is is a very terrifying place to be from a jurisprudence standpoint. But also it strikes me as abundantly unconstitutional if challenged in court. Well, I mean, you can have stupid laws and still be constitutional. But, uh, you know, it's. I, I think people don't always go through and think through what might be 
kind of the unintended consequences of the laws that they have there. And, you know, uh, economists will go and talk about this, you know, the notion of marginal deterrence. And here you're setting up penalties. You know, you take a gun into a gun-free zone, uh, and you're not trying to commit a crime. So this is really the only penalty that you're going to face. That's a major penalty. But if somebody is going to go and kill people, mm-hmm. you know, you have to realize that adding another two or three or six years or whatever it is you're going to be adding in these different places, it doesn't represent a real penalty. For, yeah. for those individuals, and it's not going to deter them. And I think anybody knows that if somebody's facing six life sentences, you could add another 20 years onto it. It's not going to make any difference to the individual because they're not going to get out of prison as it is. Do you agree with me, John Lott, that there will be blood on the hands of the legislators that pass a bill that disarms people if there is another mass shooting in one of these areas? Because... Um, You've made people less safe simply because of the very fact that what are you going to do? Are you going to make are you going to make it double illegal to murder people? <laughs> are you going to make it triple illegal? Like you said, these guys usually have suicide in mind. So ultimately, they're not really concerned about the consequences. Um, so so well, it's hard so, to punish them if yeah. they're planning it. They either commit suicide themselves or they have what's called police-assisted suicide, where they put the police in a position where they have to kill the person because they're pointing a gun at the police officer. Right. Uh, you know, so, you know, this is, you have to, you can't think of just simply punishing them afterwards. You have to think about how do you take away their gain and the gain that they get in their warped mind is media coverage. And I'm, I mean, you've you got to read these diaries and manifestos. Yeah. Time after time, they'll say things like, if I can only kill more people than such and such did, I can get even more media attention. Right. You know, take somebody like the Sandy Hook killer. He did what, according to police, was essentially a doctoral dissertation where he had studied mass public shootings over a period of 40 years. And According to police reports, he had graphed out the relationship between the number of people killed in attacks and the amount of media coverage. One police report noted that he actually, his goal was to go and kill more people than the Norway killer had killed in 2011, which is deadlier than any mass public shooting that we have had ever here in the United States, because he wanted to get even more media attention than the Norway killer had got. And so, you know, I'm not going to, and I could go on and give you other examples about that. Um, You know, so many people would go and write things like they want to kill more people than the Columbine killers for a while was something that you very frequently see in, in diaries and manifestos. And, you know, the bottom line is you got to ask yourself, you know, how, how how do you stop these guys? And the way you do that is by making sure they don't get the media attention. But you don't need to go and rewrite the First Amendment or abolish the First Amendment. What you can do is if you can make it clear to them that somebody will be there quickly to stop them before they can kill many people, you will take away their goal yeah. there. And, you know, I disagree with a lot of conservatives, which will go and say, we want to hire one police officer in uniform 
to be able to go and guard schools and what have you. That's just the first time. The problem that you have there is, in the way I often phrase it to people, would you put air marshals in uniform on planes? Right. As far as I know, nobody would do that because it would be crazy. If you put the guy in uniform, you're telling the terrorists who they have to worry about and take out on the plane there. You want the person to blend in so he, nobody knows who he is. Yeah. Well, the same thing applies to a police officer. If you're going to have a police officer in a school, please don't put them in uniform. Please make them like the gym teacher or some other staff position so that they're not readily identifiable. So nobody knows except for yeah. maybe the principal there who who has the gun. Yeah. And rather than having a sign in front of the school that says the school is a gun-free zone, put a sign that says, you know, select teachers and staff at this school are armed with concealed handguns who will use them to protect the students and others here. If you have somebody in uniform, you give the attackers real tactical advantages. They can either yeah. wait for the person to leave if you have multiple buildings at a place, or they can move on to another target themselves. Yeah. Or if they decide that they're going to take out that one officer, you know, they'll take him out and then have free reign because they'll know nobody else there uh, is going to be armed and going to be able to go and stop them. Yeah. My own belief is that the best thing is to do is to arm teachers and staff right. at, a, at a place like that. We have 20 states in the country that allow teachers and staff to be able to go and carry. Um, literally, you know, over like 10,000 schools uh, in the United States. Some of them for many years, Utah, uh, for example, which is right next to you, has uh, any teacher uh, or staff member who has a concealed carry permit allowed to carry. Uh, and yet, with many years of experience, you know, a, over a decade in many of these places, there's not all the, all the attacks in which anybody's been killed or wounded, anything from, you know, uh, one wounding all the way up to a mass public shooting, all those have occurred in schools where teachers and staff are not allowed to carry. Yeah. There's not been one single attack where anybody's been wounded or killed in any of the schools that allow teachers and staff to carry. I, and I, I think part of it is these guys avoid places where they know uh, people might be there to stop them. It surely takes away their goal yeah. in terms of the publicity that they're going to get. Yeah. And so now, you know, you're trying to create all these gun-free zones in Colorado. They're trying to ban guns at universities. What, what problems have occurred at right. universities? You've had well over a decade that all the universities, public universities I, in Colorado, have allowed people to be able to carry. What problems have occurred? Right. None. Yeah. Well, it, so it, why, again, why are they trying to ban it there? It, it's proximity to other problems, and they're just afraid of the inanimate object. John Lott, I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on today. CrimeResearch.org is his website um, and his organization, Crime Prevention Research Center. You're going to want to take a look at what they've got up there. I, uh, I will have you on again, my friend, soon. Thank you so much, John. Thank you. All right, it starts a big conversation. We'll get into it next. Text the show directly, 57739-630-K House, Denver Stock Station. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah! 630K How Denver Stock Station. I am Leland Conway. You can text the show directly, 57739, 57739. A couple texts on the line on the topic. We had John Lott on with us just last segment. There's a couple things I want to hit on that. One, his argument was was interesting where he laid out how if you were going to punish somebody in in one particular situation that goes into a quote-unquote gun-free zone, he was talking about, I believe, Tennessee. He wasn't talking about here. But they go into a gun-free zone and the penalty is six years, right? That penalty is stiffer for them as a law-abiding citizen in terms of its overall effect on their life than, say, adding another six-year sentence on top of seven life sentences and maybe the death penalty to someone who has uh, committed one of these mass crimes and most likely not, uh, not, not survived it, right? And the point of that kind of underscores something that I've said many, many times, and that was that most of these laws that are called common-sense gun control are not designed to make people safer. They are designed to... Choosing my words carefully here because it's there's always hyperbole in the world of talk radio, right? And I don't want to say so, their net effect is to make people less safe. Let's let's take an example um, the three day waiting period that they passed last year, right? The net effect of that is to make people less safe. A threat by its very nature. When you talk about a criminal, here's here's the thing about criminals. They always have the advantage. They always have at least a slight advantage. Because you don't know if they're going to act. And you don't know when they're going to act. And you don't know with what tools they're going to act. That's something that only they know. You don't know how many of them there are going to be. In many cases, what we're seeing around the country now is multiple people. This is another reason why the magazine limit cracks me up, right? Um, Because you have people that are ignorant of how firearms actually work and how a self-defense situation unfolds that are making laws for people who have to actually go through those self-defense scenarios. And I've probably mentioned this before. I'm like an old man telling stories over and over again. Um, But I, I was once in a firearms training class. And they showed, showed this video. And in this video, this man was holding a woman hostage. It was pretty gory. He's holding her hostage. And then suddenly, you know, they're negotiating. And then suddenly he lets her go. And she starts running towards uh, an ambulance that was parked about 100 yards away or so. And as soon as he lets her go and she turns her back to him and, he, and she starts running across the way to the ambulance, he literally, I think it was like 12 or 14 15 shots, just riddled her body with bullets. And if you're one of these people that passes one of these laws, you assume that she went down on the first bullet and was the first round and was dead. But that's not what happened. As a matter of fact, she ran the entire 100 yards with 15 rounds in her body. Um, and she ran around the ambulance she came to the back of the ambulance and she sat down on the bumper of the ambulance and then she died there was another case and I don't remember where this happened but there was um, 
a man that was hopped up on drugs and he was making trouble in a bar or a restaurant or something like that and uh basically ended up getting into a fight with an off-duty police officer. He attacked the off-duty police officer because the off-duty police officer was trying to get this get this guy to calm down and get out. So he attacks him and the guy is on drugs and he's he's kind of wigging out and he 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 literally just begins to uh, attack bludgeon and then choke this officer out. Before he went unconscious, the officer off-duty officer was able to draw his firearm and he shot this guy like I think 3 or 4 times. And then he was dead. Like, not the guy that was attacking him. The officer in defending himself actually died. The guy was successful in killing him. After killing him, he gets up and he runs out of the bar and they find him dead like two blocks later. So the point is, uh, depending on how well trained you are, right, we don't know for sure what's going to happen, right? And if you have multiple attackers, how many rounds do you need? So, again... These laws are designed not their 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 stated purpose is to make people safer by lowering the amount of guns that are out there when in reality they're making people less safe the 3 day waiting period that's what I started off talking about let's say you have a female because remember we're all at a disadvantage to the criminal and she's on campus and there's a serial rapist running around the campus and she doesn't want to be a victim or live her life hiding in her dorm room. And so she goes to the gun store to purchase a firearm, and she has to wait three days. But on the third day, she has finals. And then it's the next day or the fifth day before she can get to it. But on the third day or the second day, she her number's up. And this attacker decides to attack her. The net effect, and, then, and you have to get the statistics that John talked about, right? On average... Law-abiding gun owners do not commit crimes, not only not on average, I mean almost never, as in statistically insignificant. As he said, concealed carry permit holders in particular commit crimes with guns at 12 times less a rate than police officers do. And police officers commit very few. So... You look at those statistics, and they belie the logic of, quote-unquote, gun safety or common-sense gun measures. None of these measures are safe, and none of them are common-sense. I'm against anything that makes it harder, more expensive, or more difficult for you to be able to procure a firearm for self-defense. I believe in my heart of hearts that you have a responsibility if you choose to be a gun owner to learn how to use it. I believe in my heart of hearts that if you buy a gun and you don't train with it, you will be less safe. But at the end of the day, statistics aside, and we've gone through the statistics and we've made the argument, but all of those statistics aside, none of it really matters. You have a God-given right to defend yourself and your family from someone who would take advantage of that. A God-given right. It is innate in your humanity and your individualism. And that right extends, in my opinion, well beyond the borders of the United States. It's just that here we recognize the right. But you have a God-given right. And anyone who steps between you and that right, regardless of what they state their purpose is, is making you and your family less safe. 
And that's the bottom line. Now, at the heart of it, under the Taker's Dome in downtown Denver right now, where they're trying to take your rights away, if, if I was being piped in to the Capitol as we speak, if, if, if all of the legislator slash takers were sitting around and they piped my voice into the Capitol and they were all listening to everything that I just said and the interview that we did with John Lott, all of it would fall on deaf ears. Because ultimately, there's two forces at work. One, there's a stubbornness, right, to the ignorance. And in my experience in life, the vast majority of the ignorant people that I've come into contact with have been the most stubborn people I've ever met. You ever notice that? You ever notice that when you, when you run across somebody that's incredibly stubborn, they often are also very ignorant? And that, that is the case. Right. So in, in my experience in life, the vast majority of ignorant people are very, very stubborn. So you have those and then you have others in the taking capital where they know exactly what they're doing. They know, as a matter of fact, that they're not making people safer. They're not saving lives. They're not enacting, quote unquote, common sense gun control. They're not doing any of that. They know that they're simply disarming you because they're part of the long game. And the long game is that nobody takes over America. Nobody has total control of the American people until the American people are disarmed. We just found that out in the COVID crisis. Do you think, in, in, in your heart of hearts, do you think that Governor Polis McPhee or Governor Whitmer of Michigan or Governor Hochul of New York or at the time, whatever, Governor, what's his name, Putz? I don't know. What's his name? I don't, I don't remember what's his name. Cuomo. Um, do you think Governor Gavin Newsom's hair? Do you think Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, do you think they would have hesitated to lock you in your house? For an unknown period of time and do what what Australia and New Zealand did? You think they would have hesitated? Of course they wouldn't have hesitated. They all but did that anyway. I mean, they all but did that anyway. And they did it passive-aggressively, but they still did it. And they used your neighbor against you. And they used your job against you. And they used your contract with the government against you. And they used your enlistment against you. And they used everything they could in their power to use. But at the end of the day, they didn't send armed goons to your door to lock you in or arrest you in the street for trying to go to the grocery store like Australia did because they knew that at the end of the day, the vast majority of Americans have a gun in their home. The Second Amendment is not about hunting. It's not about target shooting or sport shooting. It's kind of about self-defense. But it's also very much about the, re- re- the, the, the repelling of tyranny. And it's done so for over 200 years. But that's coming to an end if we let them continue to do what they're doing. The ability for us to put the kind of pressure that we can put on people peacefully in our government is going away. Because once the government knows, it's not that anybody's threatening to do anything. It's just that psychologically, once the government knows you're disarmed, they're going to say, what the hell are you going to do about it? You're too stupid to govern yourself anyway. And we have an entire generation of Americans coming online now that have been taught that someone else is supposed to do everything for you. 
You're supposed to be able to go through life without getting your feelings hurt. You're supposed to go through life and get a, acknowledged for your identity and your, your self-value and your self-worth, whatever you want to put on that, and everybody else has to acquiesce to that. And, and God forbid you get offended or God forbid someone disagree with you. Like, that's, that's violence. We've got a whole generation of Americans coming online that would rather have been locked in their homes and would have gladly put up with it. As long as they had their Netflix and their iPhone and their social media, they would have been fine. They were fine. They self-isolated. Look at Taylor Lorenz, a former journalist for New York Times. I mean, she's, she's like, I just went to my fourth Christmas because my stupid family wears masks and I won't, won't wear masks. And I, I don't think that, you know, it's like, well, she's self-isolating from her own family. That is the mindset of an entire generation of people. So we're really not that far away from losing all these freedoms anyway. And I think they're just trying to wave us out <laughs> and pick away at the rights while they can. These are important discussions. Really important discussions. Uh, 9307 writes in, they want to rule with complete power and not fear that the public will band together. That's 100% true. So, all right, we'll continue. There's lots to get to today. I got a lot of audio I want to get to and more. I am Leland Conway, 630K How Denver's Talk Stage. Remember yesterday I told you Jenna Griswold? The National Lampoon's Political Vacation Secretary of State of Colorado. Um, she is on the record saying that putting Trump on the ballot in Colorado would actually repress the vote. <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. I'll have the audio for you uh, when we continue. Um, I didn't know this, but B. Large, did you know uh, Katy Perry? I just saw a headline. She's leaving American Idol. Did I heard you that. know seven years? Uh, I didn't even know Katy Perry was still like a thing. <laughs> it's like I. Put her music up there with uh, Taylor Swift. Are you a Katy Perry fan? Are you? I mean, not. I'm not. Katy Perry is smoking hot. Yes, I'm a fan. She is smoking hot. Did she grow her hair back though? Because she wasn't really. I didn't like when she cut it short. That was a little. I'm all in, regardless. <laughs> I don't know, man. I can't do the short hair. This is this is weird. I don't know. Anyway, she's out at American Idol. I haven't. Let's see. Maybe I've watched. Do you watch that show? Or are you like in? I on have it? never seen American Idol since season one when Kelly Clarkson won. Okay, because I was going to say that might be the last time um, that I ever uh, I ever saw such a uh, such a show. I, I mean, I I just have never been into it. Um, all right, check this out. West Virginia Snack Company ke- creates a biscuits and gravy potato chips. Would you eat this? Uh, yes. According to yes, yes, I, like you didn't even hesitate. Be large. You were just like. No, let me get the microphone on as fast as I can get it on and say yes. I love biscuits and gravy, man. In I a chip too. form? I don't know. It feels weird. kind of like pineapple on pizza. I love pineapple on pizza. I do not love pineapple on pizza. Have you Anywho. ever seen they make those? Uh, they actually make, like, biscuits with gravy inside of them. There is a place. Oh. I don't know. I guess I watched it on uh, Guy Fieri or something. So, okay. So you, you stick your fork into it, and then the gravy pours out. I... Here's my problem with that, though. Can you get enough gravy on the inside? Because I, if I'm going to do biscuits and gravy, which I don't do very often, but I do as a cheat from time to time, if I'm going to do it, I want to go all in. Like I want like gravy all over everything. Like I don't, I want it. I, I don't. You shouldn't even be able to see the biscuit. You know what I mean? Like they should just be little mounds in this pool of heavenly gravy. Now, sausage gravy, uh, white gravy. Like, how do you like your biscuits gravy? Yeah, white sausage gravy. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> there's this uh, there's this restaurant in Tennessee called the Old Mill, 
in uh, Gatlinburg or Pigeon Forge or someplace like that down in the Smoky Mountains. And they uh, they have biscuits and gravy, and then they have uh, country ham with red-eye gravy. Like, that's a meal, and I'm all in on it. According to this uh, Sportskedia, what do you get when you cross potato chips with biscuits and gravy? Apparently, you get a damn tasty snack. Mr. B, a snack maker out of West Virginia, has teamed up with Tudor's Biscuit World. Have you did you have you ever heard of Tudor's Biscuit World? Never. I, they they have them in West Virginia. It's the funniest name. Like I, it's kind of like a Waffle House, but for biscuits instead of waffles. It's Tudor's Biscuit World. Like that's the greatest name of a restaurant. Uh, they've teamed together with the Make a Wish Foundation oh, uh, to create a new line of biscuits and gravy flavored potato chips. A portion of the money from each bag sold makes it to the Make a Wish Foundation. If you live in the area, they're said to be relatively easy to find. If you don't, having a friend that lives near there can help a brother get out, get out of that situation without having to uh, drive all the way to West Virginia for the snack. Why not make these national? With everything else. Why not make biscuits and gravy potato chips national? I don't understand. You know anybody in West Virginia that can send them to us? I do. In fact, I'm texting my friend right now. I say we get some on here, and then we try them out on Twisted View. What do you think? Love it. That sounds like a plan. Next hour, more uh, controversy at the border. President Biden is not okay. And what they're trying to take from you under the Capitol Dome in Denver. 630K, how Denver Stock Station. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.